Chapter Twenty of the Charing Cross Mystery. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Charing Cross Mystery by J. S. Fletcher. Converging Tracks. It was an hour later when they pulled up at Matherfield's headquarters and went in to find him. Matherfield, brought to them after some search, rubbed his hands at sight of them come at the right moment he exclaimed i've got news of ambrose matherfield evidently expected his visitors to show deep interest if not passive enthusiasm in respect of this announcement and he stared wonderingly on seeing that their faces showed nothing but gloom and concern but you you look as if you'd had bad news he exclaimed something gone wrong i forgot that we might have telephoned you from riversreed court replied heatherwick suddenly realizing that matherfield seemed to know nothing of the day's happening but i thought the dorking police would do that gone wrong yes and it may have to do with ambrose we've heard news that seems to fit in with him but it's this he went on to give matherfield a brief account of the day's events there you are he concluded i've no doubt whatever that basverie and ambrose are in at this kidnapping in broad daylight matherfield you've got to find them matherfield had listened with close attention to heatherwick's story and now he looked from him to pentony from pentony to a printed bill which lay on his desk at his side i think i see what all this is about he remarked after a pause those chaps think they've got or they thought they got lady riversreed to hold for ransom of course they took miss hannaford because she chanced to be there what they really kidnapped and there's more of that done than you gentlemen might think i can tell you was lady riversreed's sister but however sisters twin sisters may closely resemble each other there comes a time when difference of identity is bound to come out by this time perhaps long before those men must have discovered that they laid hands on the wrong woman and the question is what would they do then it seems to me that the more immediate question is where are the two women exclaimed heatherwick think of their danger oh well mr heatherwick i don't suppose they're in any personal danger answered matherfield they're in the hands of brigands no doubt but i don't think there'll be any maltreatment of them set your mind at rest about that they don't do that sort of thing nowadays it's all done politely and with every consideration i believe as to where they are why somewhere in london and there are over seven millions of other people in london and hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of inhabited houses a lot of needles in that bundle of hay gentlemen they've got to be found repeated heatherwick doggedly you'll have to set all your machinery to work 
this can't wait a bit heatherwick interrupted pentony he turned to matherfield you said you had news of this man ambrose what news matherfield tapped the printed bill which lay on his desk i had that circulated broadcast this morning he answered and then of course the newspapers have helped well not so very long before you came in i was called to the telephone by a man named killiner who told me he was the landlord of the green archer tavern in wood street westminster westminster again exclaimed heatherwick that seems to be the centre point and a very good thing to have a centre point mr heatherwick said matherfield when things begin to narrow down one gets some chance well i was saying this man rang me up to say that if i'd go down there he thought he could give me some information relative to the bill about the missing man what he'd got to say he said was too long for a telephone talk i answered that i'd be with him shortly and i was just setting off when you arrived of course i don't know what he can tell it may be nothing it may be something perhaps you gentlemen would like to go with me and hear what it is i would but i mustn't replied pantony i must go to my office and hear if lady riversreed or the local police have had any fresh news keep in touch with me though matherfield let me know what you hear i'll go with you said heatherwick westminster he muttered again when pentony had gone it looks as if this man ambrose was known in that district likely assented matherfield but you know mr heatherwick there are some queer spots in that quarter people who know the purely ornamental parts of westminster such as the abbey and the houses of parliament and victoria street and so on don't know that there are some fine old slums behind em but i'll show you when we get down there we shall go through one or two savoury slices he was putting on his overcoat as he spoke in readiness for setting out but before he had buttoned it a constable entered with a card wants to see you particularly and at once he said waiting outside bring him in straight answered Meadowfield. he pushed the card along his desk in heatherwick's direction lord moradale he exclaimed who's he the man who's engaged to madame listorel replied heatherwick in an undertone hampshire magnate matherfield turned expectantly to the open door a shortish stoutish person who looked more like a typical city man prosperous and satisfied came hustling in and gave heatherwick and his companion a sharp inquiring glance which finally settled on matherfield mr matherfield he asked just so i'm lord moradale oh of course i sent in my card just so well mr matherfield i've had an extraordinary communication from lady riversreed she telephoned to my house in hill street this morning but i was down in the city and didn't hear of her message till late this afternoon she says madame Mistorel has been kidnapped kidnapped preposterous i am afraid it's neither preposterous nor improbable my lord answered matherfield 
I'm quite sure Madame Historelle has been kidnapped, and Lady Riversreed's secretary, Miss Featherstone, with her. I've been down at Riversreed Court most of the day, and there's no doubt about it. The two ladies were carried off from there by three men in a fast car, which was driven toward London. That's a fact. God bless my soul, exclaimed Lord Moradale, in broad daylight. Twentieth century, too. And there is no clue? None so far, my lord. Of course, we've noised the affair as much as possible, and all our people are on the lookout. But it's a difficult case, continued Matherfield. The probability is that the ladies have been rushed to some house in London, and that they're there, in captivity. Of course, one theory is that the kidnappers took Madame Listorel for her sister. They meant to get Lady Rivers Reed, and hold her ransom. Lord Moradale pursed his lips. Then he rubbed his chin. Then he shook his head. Finally, he gave Heatherwick a shrewd glance, eyeing him from head to foot. Hm, he said. Ha! Ah. This gentleman, not one of your people, I think, Matherfield? No, my lord. This gentleman is Mr. Heatherwick of the Middle Temple, who is interested very deeply in certain matters connected with the affair. Mr. Heatherwick has been down to Riversreed with me, and your lordship can speak freely before him. Lord Moradale gave Heatherwick a friendly, knowing nod, and then he glanced at the door, and Matherfield made haste to close it. Thank ye, said Lord Moradale. Just as well to be in private. Hmm. I think I'd better tell you something, Motherfield. I dare say that's a reasonable supposition of yours, that these villains took Madame Listorel for her sister. But I don't think they did. I think they knew very well whom they were seizing. Mind you, they'd have seized Lady Riversreed, too, if she'd happened to be there. "'But it was Madame they were after.' "'If your lordship would explain,' suggested Matherfield. "'I'm going to. It's what I came here for. "'I think I can just put you on the right scent. "'You may have heard that Madame Listorelle and I are about to marry. "'Well, I accordingly knew a good deal about her affairs.' Now, I don't know whether you know or not that Madame Listorel is actively concerned, or has been, in buying and selling jewels on commission. That's her specialty. Heard something of it, my lord, replied Motherfield. Very well. Now, quite recently, Madame Listorel bought up in Paris a magnificent set of stones, which has been at one time the property of a member of the Russian imperial family. She brought them here to London, meaning, shortly, either to send or take them personally to America, to her customer. This deal, unfortunately, got into the papers. Now, it's my belief that these fellows have kidnapped Madame in order to get hold of these jewels. Do you see? "'Ah!' exclaimed Matherfield. "'I see, my lord. "'That puts a new aspect on the case. "'But surely Madame Listorel wouldn't have the stones on her?' 
Lord Mordale winked deliberately at both his hearers. No, he said, no, she wouldn't. But the scoundrels would figure on this, that when she was fairly in their power, they would be in a position to make her give them up, to force her, in short, to disclose their whereabouts. If they're desperate villains, not likely to stick at anything, I think they'll have forced Madame to compliance, and, in doing so, give you a chance to lay hands on them. How, my lord? asked Matherfield eagerly. Lord Moradale gave the two men a confidential glance. This way, he replied, the jewels were deposited for safety by Madame Listorin at the Imperial Safe Deposit. She rents a safe there. Now, don't you see what I'm suggesting? These men may force her to give them the necessary key and assigned order to the safe people to let the bearer open Madame's safe and take away a certain case in which the jewels are packed. That's what I think will be done. And what you ought to do is to see the Imperial Safe Deposit officials at once, warn them of what I suggest may happen, and take your own means of watching for such a messenger arriving and for tracking him when he departs, eh? Or arresting him then and there, said Matherfield. No, no, I shouldn't, declared Lord Moradale. I'm not a policeman, you know, but I can give a hint to one. Instead of arresting the man, who, you must remember, will be sure to have Madame's written authority on him, that is, if things turn out as I suggest, I should carefully follow him. For he'll probably go back to where Madame and the young lady, Miss, what's her name, are detained, eh? Matherfield shook his head. I should doubt that, my lord, he answered. If things work out as you suggest, and is a highly probable theory, that's about the last thing he would do. Once the jewels were in his possession— You forget this, interrupted Lord Moradale. They may use a cat's paw, eh? Well, there's that in it, certainly, assented Matherfield. However, I'll see that the Imperial Safe Deposit people are warned, and that this entrance is carefully watched tomorrow morning. But the thing may have been done already. There's been plenty of time since the ladies were carried off. No, said Lord Moradale, nothing's happened so far. I called in at the Imperial Safe Deposit as I came here. They had neither seen Madame Listorin nor had any communication from her today, and now the place is closed for the night. Did you warn them, then? inquired Matherfield. I didn't. I thought it best to see you first, replied Lord Moradale. The warning and the rest of it will come best from you. Very good, my lord. Much obliged to your lordship for looking in, said Matherfield. We'll keep you posted up in anything that happens at Hill Street. Now, he continued, when Lord Moredale had left the office, we'll get along to Westminster, Mr. Heatherwick, to the Green Archer and its landlord, Killiner. The Green Archer proved to be a respectable tavern, which boasted a saloon bar. Behind the glass screens of this, 
they found a middle-aged, sharp-eyed man, who, at the sight of his visitors, immediately opened the door of a parlour in the rear, and ushered them into privacy. He pointed silently to a copy of the bill, asking for news of Ambrose. "'Aye,' said Motherfield, "'just so. I had your message. You think you know this man?' "'From this description of him in that bill, yes,' replied the landlord. "'I think he's a man, gentleman, by all appearances,' who used to come into my saloon pretty regularly during this last six months since the end of last summer i should say up to about three weeks or so ago not since then eh asked matherfield three weeks about that no he hasn't been in for quite that but up to then he'd been in well four or five days in a week handsome fine man in fact you've described him exactly there i never knew who he was used to pass the time of day with him you know but that was all he always came in about the same time one to one thirty he'd have sometimes a glass of bitter ale and a sandwich or two sometimes a whisky soda and two or three biscuits stood and had his snack and went away never talked much i took him for some gentleman that had business hereabouts and just wanted a bite and a sup in the middle of the day and turned in here for it but i don't know what business he could be concerned in round here he hadn't the tradesman's look on him you understand i should have said he was a professional man of some sort always very well dressed you know smart however i did notice one peculiar thing about him what now asked matherfield it all helps well said the landlord i noticed that his hands and fingers were stained all sorts of colours sometimes it was more noticeable than at others but there it was hm remarked matherfield he exchanged a knowing glance with heatherwick and when a few minutes later they left the tavern he turned to him with an air of assurance i'm beginning to feel the end he said feel it if i don't see it stained fingers eh we've heard of them before mr heatherwick and i'll tell ye what it is somewhere about this very spot there's some place where men are dabbling secretly i should think with chemicals and ambrose is one of them and perhaps basvelli another and it was there that hannaford and that man granite had been at night and where they were poisoned and there too no doubt these two ladies are at this minute well come to my place first thing in the morning heatherwick at a loss what to do further that night went away and dined and that done strolled home to his chambers there was light in his parlour and when he opened the door he found mapperly evidently awaiting him and with mapperly a curly-headed big-nosed beady-eyed young jew End of chapter twenty